This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Jenna, she helps read through all of the stories that we get. We get so many emails of stories and she found your story and she sent it to me twice and she's like, we need to interview her. And so I'm really excited to just have you on the podcast and to hear your story and share it with everybody that needs to hear it. And I know that there's so many people out there that need to hear it. The experience of coming back to Christ looks different for everybody. And I think that All of us as adults have gone through that in some form or the other, whether we've actually left the church or not. I think we've all come back to Christ in our own way. And I think that that's a message that needs to be shared. So totally. I agree. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, I'd love to hear just a little bit of context about you and who you are, you know, if you have your family, what you do for work, if you work and just some background, and then we can jump into your story. Uh, I grew up in West Valley. That's in Utah. I um, had a had a pretty strong testimony growing up. I went to Utah State, met my husband at Utah State. We got married, had our first child in Logan. We moved to Iowa for him to do his PhD program. Had two more kids in Iowa and then uh, moved back. My husband teaches at Snow, Snow College. So we moved for him to teach there. And I was really sad leaving Iowa. I didn't want to leave. I loved it there. So then I had our last child here in Utah. So we have four kids. I actually also teach at Snow College. I'm an adjunct teacher, so like a contract worker. And I'm currently going to school to get my master's. I teach math. So I have my degree in math. I think my master's in math. Wow. That's awesome. So that's a little bit about me. I don't know how people can teach math or even (laughs) any, like, it blows my mind. I barely survive algebra back in the day. I I think that more people can do math than they think, but I have lots of feelings. It's fine. That's not what this is about. So (laughs) I could go off on a soapbox, but I will try not to. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I'm excited. Why don't you just go ahead and jump in your story and let's, let's get started here. I grew up with um, a severely mentally ill mother. My mother was schizophrenic and bipolar. And in the 80s and 90s, there wasn't, there's not a lot of hope for schizophrenic patients because the medication is so brutal. And as well as if you don't recognize that there's anything wrong, if you don't think there's anything wrong, then you don't want to take medication. So she was severely delusional growing up and not much of a mother. My father worked a lot. So it was really kind of my brothers and me. My father has a lot of faith. We went to church every week by, he would go by himself. If kids weren't ready, he would just go. And that was always strengthening to me. I had a lot of faith growing up. I had a deep desire to choose the right. I never was tempted to be crazy or, you know, I I was going to get my second piercing just before President Inkley said not to. And I was like, oh, I can now. And I mean, I just really was a straight arrow. My whole life, I've just been, I'm going to choose what's right. And it's, it's just been that kind of deep, what I want to do. There's a couple of times I've struggled. One of them was when we had moved back to Utah and I'll tell you what, being a professor does not pay a lot. <laughs> so I, I struggled. Yeah, with, a so yeah, I, I totally get it. <laughs> I struggled with the, the idea of paying tithing that we are, we're not making it every month and we're giving this much to the Lord. That's about how much we need to make it. So why are we, you know, so that's the only real struggle I had had until that point. 
I mean, I had had your typical, oh, this, this is hard. I feel like I'm getting lost in the, the minutia of daily, but, but other than that, it wasn't. So it was in January of 2019. We had gotten together with some friends and I had, we'd had a question raised and I thought, oh, I wonder about that. And I'm kind of a deep thinker. I'm philosophical in some ways. And so I had thought about it and I was studying scriptures that night and, you know, it was kind of a panic moment. I thought, oh, if, if this happens, you know, like heavenly father, I need you to answer this question. This is really a big deal for me. This is, this is kind of scary. And then I was able to just, in my reading of scriptures that night, my, my question was answered and it was just like, okay, heavenly father, I know you see, I hadn't even said prayers. It was just that, that, that was answered. And it was a really sweet experience. I was able to focus on what felt good about it and feel grateful. And as I was going to bed that night, I had the sweetest experience. So this was January 19th in 2019. So as I lay in bed pondering, I had the most personal experience. I felt an overwhelming warmth and the words, a change is coming, come to mind twice. I felt as if there was a bright spotlight in my heart among the darkness. I almost felt transcended beyond my bedroom. I contemplated what change it could be, a new calling, a change in a job, a loss of someone I love. But each time I tried to find something more specific, I felt the stupor of thought. But I feel that I'm on the precipice. I feel I'm being molded and prepared. I lay awake and prayed for the strength to accept the change. So it's really interesting. I had this experience of, I, I wasn't even asking for it. And all of a sudden I knew like this change is coming. And it was a couple of days later, I was just sweeping in my kitchen and the thoughts came to me, you are being prepared. And it was clear that that was in connection with a change is coming. There's this change coming and I'm being prepared. And it's kind of disconcerting to get um, a revelation like that because it's like, well, what is it? And, you know, I thought of everything major that it, that it could be. I've always had fears of family, my loved ones dying. And so I thought of everything I could and nothing felt right. And so I just kind of was like, okay, well, please help me. And as I continued, I had other spiritual experiences and things. And as a mom of four, I just got caught up in the day-to-day, -day, kind of forgot. My grandmother died in March of that year. So two months later, my grandmother died. My grandmother was one of the only spotlights in my life growing up. My parents weren't super there for me. And so my grandmother, it was really hard to lose her. Happened to be on my birthday. That was hard. But also, again, I had these sweet experiences where I knew I'm going to see her again and it's going to be okay. I kept getting these sweet experiences, but then I would just be caught up in being a mom and kind of forget. And I think that's, we're human. And I think that we do that. In April of 2019, my whole world kind of shifted. Some loved ones that are close to me left the church. And it's not new to me to have people leave the church. Many of my family, much of my family has left the church. It's not new to me to experience loved ones leaving the church and to experience what it's like to, to love them through it. But this was different for me. It was like as if there was a seismic shift in my life. I felt if they can leave, well, then who else can leave? I went through what a lot of people go through, which is I want to be able to prove them wrong. I want to read what they read and I want to be able to prove them wrong. And I want to be able to say, nope, this is, see, this is, this is the evidence. This is the, these are the reasons why. And for better or for worse, my husband was really loving and supportive. My husband's an incredibly patient and wonderful person and very wise. And he loved me through it. He'd never, 
panicked and thought, oh no, she's going to leave the church or she's, she's not relying on her faith or, you know, he never panicked that way. I was grateful for that. He said that he would love to read through all of it with me, but that if we were going to be spending as much time to dedicate, we needed to be spending equal amounts of time to both sides. So as soon as we were going to the church and studying our scriptures, as much as Yes, we were going to church, but as, as soon as we were going to the temple and studying scriptures and spending as much time in the gospel studying, then we could look at both sides, which I thought was wise. And I thought, okay, great, we'll do that. And so he gave me that space to feel the pain and the fear without making me feel like I had to choose or making me feel that I was wrong for having questions. It was an interesting time. It was difficult because... I became very contemplative. The way I can describe it is, I don't know if you know anything about Fowler's stages of faith. You have this initial childhood faith, and that is just, it is what it is. And then you get this conventional layer three of faith where trying to find a place in the world. And then you get to stage four. And stage four is usually when it ha you are more of an adult. It says online, it says more midlife. And I'm like, I'm not midlife, thank you. It says that you are critically examining each piece of faith. And that's what I felt. I felt like I had this, this big box of faith, all of these things that I've learned that you are a child of God and the church is true and that Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. And you have this, all of these, these things that you've supplied and you've like put in your box and at all of the young women's camps and all of the primary activities. And it's just, okay, that's, that's great. That makes me feel good. I'm going to put it in my box of faith. And I went through this deconstruction process, pulling out my box and taking out a piece and looking at it. And I really, really wanted to put it in the, yep, that feels really good. I'm going to believe that. But I couldn't with everything. And there were a lot of pieces that I had to say, I don't know yet. And I have to put that back. So as you dig to the bottom of your box of faith, you realize there are things that are, there are some fundamental things. Does God exist? Does he know about me? And is the Book of Mormon true? There was these fundamental things that after I'm digging through the, you know, that one time at girls camp felt good and taking all of the, the extraneous experiences out, I was able to get to the bottom of my faith and found I couldn't deny God exists and that he loves me. He knows me. And the experiences reading the Book of Mormon, I couldn't deny that either. So then I had that foundation again. And rather than putting it on a box, I was able to put it on the shelf beautifully and display it. So I continued to examine my faith and um, I had amazing, beautiful experiences. I have a unique way of receiving revelation. I hear words. It's not like hearing words, but it's words are presented in my mind. I also have dreams, which I thought, why would I get dreams? I'm just me. Lehi's the one that gets dreams. He's a prophet, not me. I've had a lot of probably not really dreams or so I would have these amazing experiences, but they wouldn't stick. And that was really hard. And when in March of 2020, I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> a worldwide pandemic. That's the change. Duh. I could never have predicted that. Heavenly Father, you are so smart. That is a big old change. And it was and it was obvious. No, that's not the change I was preparing you for. And I thought, what? How could that not be it? And I remember, so another journal entry, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, the change happened. It's already happened. My world shifted. I changed. It was um, the experience of realizing 
he had warned me, I didn't ask for a warning, and that he had warned me that a change was coming. Never in a million, I would have told you that Jesus himself would have come before my uh, loved ones would have left the church. It was so shocking to me. I never would have predicted the experience of realizing, oh my gosh, you were right. How could you have known? So I remembered the words you are being prepared. I felt slammed with almost a warmth. I knew at that moment that I mattered to my heavenly father. I know I am a child of God, but certainly with all his kids, there is someone who matters more or needs more help. I'm so flawed and don't always feel that I deserve help. But I know that God was telling me, showing me that I, Tanya, mattered to him. I never would have guessed, never in a million years could have foreseen the changes that came in my life that my loved ones would lose their faith. And it rocked me, but truly God is in the details. He knew and was there before I even needed him. Because I was searching and pondering, he told me and then he held me. Through dealing with my grief, I have been hurt and disappointed and angry. I've wanted to find some way to prove them wrong, but I don't need to prove it to anyone because I know God loves me. I know he is in charge. I know he is at the head of the church. I pray for continued faith for the new changes coming. President Nielsen has asked us to ponder how we hear him. I felt guilt that I'm not better at praying and that I don't deserve to hear him. But tonight I heard him loud and clear. I let his grace wash over me and my insecurity and doubt to thought to feel who I really am, that I matter, that I am a child of his, and that one, one that he knows and is washing over and loves, loves me just as I am. So I had experiences like this, almost as if like gravity is lifted for just a moment. It's, it almost transcends. I had these amazing experiences sprinkled throughout, throughout my life. And I was so grateful for them. Up until this point, it sounds like, wow, that is just such a good story. You could share it over the pulpit. That's why I feel like, I, how do I, what do I have to share? I just have always felt so insignificant. I don't have a big, aha, come back moment. But it matters because my story wasn't over. I started working in 2001. My, my youngest child was old enough and I've always had a tendency to become obsessed with things. I like things just so. I'm just a perfectionist. Anybody that knows me will tell you, She's just, she likes things a certain way. I'm just a perfectionist. And then working was perhaps the straw that broke the camel's back. It was just one extra thing. I, I've described it as in like, you know, a, a plate balancer. They've got holding several sticks and they've got one on their chin and they're balancing their plates. They're spinning plates. And it's like, I feel like that at all times. I feel like I'm constantly balancing plates. And they're always falling. And, and every time it falls, I feel like a complete failure. So when I started working, I became obsessed with another thing of perfection. It was not only to have to be a perfection in, in my, my marriage and in my personal life and as a mother, and now it was also in work. And it became overwhelming. Throughout this experience, I, I lost several people that were close to me. My grandfather died. My mom died, which was a tender mercy. I had been waiting for her because she was the only way I knew that she could be free was to die. My stepmom died. And throughout all of these experiences for about a year, there were these three people that were close to me that, that passed away. And I would have these sweet experiences, but then again, be overwhelmed and overcome with spinning plates. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So just this last, last October, I, we showed up to church and I might've been on time, probably a minute late. 
And the brother behind me leaned up and said, I'm so glad you're at church today. Or he said, I'm so glad I came to church today. And I just said, why? And he said, oh, so I can hear you speak. What? <laughs> what? And then I remembered that our bishop member had texted me earlier that week. Hey, are you uh, willing to teach or willing to speak? Absolutely. I, I love speaking. I can do that. That would be great. I forgot. And so I have that from the time that sacrament meeting starts until after the sacrament to prepare my talk. And I panicked. But in that moment, there was a brief moment of panic. Like, I can't do this. How are, how did, how, what am I going to say? I'm supposed to give a 15 minute talk. How am I, I have a subject. And, um, and then I had this quiet calm come over me and you've got this, you know, the scriptures, you've studied them, you can do this. And the thing that's interesting is the talk was from Isaiah 64, eight. And the scripture is, but now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art our potter. So the talk was supposed to be about how God is in charge of us. And as I prepared, I was able to, I was able to come up with a full outline. I have these three points um, that I was able to give these experiences. I was able to have scripture references come to mind. As I gave the talk, I was completely aware that I was exhibiting exactly what I was speaking, which is to trust in the Lord that my talk was a result of trusting in the Lord, that I could not have done this on my own. The scriptures that came to mind and the experiences, I gave a great talk. People, so many people said, wow, I really loved it. The spirit was so strong. And I thought, yeah, but that's because the Lord was really doing it. So I was completely aware that what I was saying was true, but I couldn't feel it. Throughout the year from 2001 to 2020, or 2021 to 2022, I just became more and more overwhelmed I became more and more depressed. You know, I felt ungrateful because I've shared with you some of these ex experiences that I've had where God has, I mean, short of appearing to me, told me in my life and been there. And I have these evidences, these strong evidences, and yet I couldn't feel it. And I began to feel that I wasn't grateful enough. I wasn't faithful enough. You know, a lot of people talk about struggles. And so I just assumed that's the struggle that everybody had. <laughs> it's interesting. I was telling my children about being on a podcast, like, oh, can we listen to it? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> some of these experiences I haven't told them and I don't. So we'll see. I love you, children. If you listen to this, it was in 2022. It became so difficult. The burden became so great. I felt completely alone and completely abandoned. I've just read to you in 2020 how I felt that God knew me and loved me. I, I felt it to my being, but then it would be, then it would go away. It would disappear. And I think all of us have that experience where we get caught up in, you know, the daily and, and it disappears, but it was more than that. It was as if I was drowning and I would come up for air for just a minute and then, and then I would drown again. I finally, I decided I, I probably ought to go to therapy. I had put the idea off for a few years because I'm like, no, I can do this. It's fine. I just need to try. I just need to fill in the blank, try harder, be, get up earlier, pray more. I would do that for a little bit and it would be okay. I would get another experience and it would be okay. And then it would disappear again. I began to feel that 
I was wondering why are my experiences not sticking? That either I'm not worthy of these experiences, I don't deserve them, or maybe they're not true. Maybe, maybe it's not true. I remember I started to, for the first time in my life, it was, it was too much. I wanted to die. I didn't want to actually do anything, but the idea of getting up every morning and trying again to fail completely was too great. I couldn't do it every day. It was exhausting. I ever, everywhere I looked, all I saw was failure. At the end of 2022, at the end of last year, I decided I needed to go to therapy and I felt, you know, I don't know if I have OCD, but I feel like I've always been a perfectionist. So I felt like I should go to an OCD therapist. And so I did. I remember I went on a walk and a car was driving. I could hear a car that was going to come past me. And I thought, boy, if that car could just hit me, that would make it so much easier. I felt my children would be better off with a different mother. My husband would be better off. And as illogical as it was, it felt so real. So I started going to therapy in um, December of last year. And it took a while. And, you know, we've worked on little things. And in March of this year, I had the experience where I realized what I have been feeling and what I've been going through. I was able to finally describe to my husband and to my therapist that I feel like there's this scale that Christ has put all of this grace and atonement on this side of the scale. And I need to work and, and put in my effort to this side to balance the scales to earn my salvation. I told him that it feels like President Nielsen is going to come back and he's going to die and he's, he's going to get there and Heavenly Father's going to say, oh, oh, Russ, you have had, you know, some good times and bad times and I love you and I can see how much, here's how much of the atonement you need. Welcome home. And then the murderer is going to come up and, uh, welcome my son. I see that you've struggled and that you've had these hard times. I can see how much you've tried and here's how much of the atonement that you need. Welcome home. But I could not see that for myself. And I realized that I have scrupulosity. You've had some pe other people. Um, I've heard two different people on the podcast that have talked about scrupulosity before. Sometimes scrupulosity presents as though it is a need to pray over and over again. It's a need to, I need to read the scriptures or do something for just right. For me, it was, I need to earn my salvation by being perfect. But I didn't feel that way for other people. And so it was very interesting. I am in my late 30s. I'm not going to tell you how late. But I have gone undetected for so long because my OCD, it doesn't present as if I need to pray for three hours. I just really like to be tidy. I like to have things in line. I like, I like to do things well. I think that's one reason why it's gone undetected as long as it has. But I realized that there is a disconnect in my belief of the atonement for others and for myself. So it's been an incredibly interesting process. And you might think, oh, good, you've realized it. Now your story's over. And, and I don't know that really any of our stories are ever over. 
but I can't describe the process of feeling so betrayed by your own brain, realizing that, okay, do I feel like I need to clean my kitchen right now because I want to, or because my OCD is telling me to? Am I wanting to play with my children because I want to, or because my OCD is telling me every aspect of my life, everything became a question. What is real? What is not real? Is this God telling me this? Is this oh my OCD? Or is this Tanya? Everything became so muddled. And I became so confused. And had it not been for the experiences I had had a few years earlier, I couldn't have lasted. I couldn't have made it. Because I knew God exists. I had taken those those things out of the box and I had looked at them and I had said, yes, I know he is there. I know he loves me. That is one for sure I can put on my shelf. And so when I began to not be able to trust my brain, I could rely on that. You know, earlier I had thought maybe I don't deserve good experiences or they're not true. It never dawned on me that maybe it was just my brain that was betraying me and that I have this physical ailment that I might never get over, that I might always have. But suddenly so much in my life made sense. My whole existence, I have always felt the need to prove myself to be better. In journaling for years, I would write down a list of accomplishments I've done that day. I did the dishes and I did this and I played with my kids and we went on a walk. And, and that's what I felt like I needed to journal because that's me earning my salvation. Or that I would have these amazing experiences, but then it wouldn't stick and I couldn't remember them. It's like all of a sudden I couldn't, I couldn't rely on that faith that I had built. For years, I have believed that it's because I'm not faithful enough. If I had more faith, then, the, then it would stick. And then I could pray more. At times, I couldn't open my scriptures physically. It was like there was a mental block. I couldn't do it. And had I not gone through the experience of discovering that God loves me in a deep, deep way, I couldn't have gone through the discovery of scrupulosity and stayed intact and had a testimony at the end. It was one of those moments that it was so hard to go through this, this faith crisis but how grateful I was that I did it then, that I didn't have to do it now. And so I wanted to share my experience. I have felt that there's two things that I needed. I felt like I needed to share that we all can come back to Christ, even if we never left. I had a lot of years of pain and part of it is, is from a faith journey, but also part of it is from scrupulosity and that we can all come back to Christ. And I, I hope that we can continually do that through our lives. Also what it's like to live with scrupulosity. And I think that there are more of us that deal with it than we know. We had a missionary in our ward come home from scrupulosity and thought, boy, that's hard. That's really tough. What a poor, you know, that poor guy and talked to his parents and offered condolences, a family member that was diagnosed with scrupulosity. Boy, that's so hard. I'm so sorry about that. But it never dawned on me that I have some things that have helped me. In 2019, I started to feel grateful and think about the times that I had, the, the scriptures that, that came to mind were to remember, 
to remember the, the words of thy dying father in Second Nephi and to remember what the Lord has done. And so every time I would write in my journal and something, I'm a journal writer, that's how I process things. But whenever I would feel the spirit, whether it was a big thing like a, the Lord speaking to me or if it was a small thing like during the primary program, I would write it down and I would, I would make a sticky note. So I wanted to show you, these are the last, so from 2019-ish, so this is about 2019 to about 2022, this is a few of my journals. So for those of you that are um, listening on podcasts, like I usually do, there's probably a hundred, over a hundred sticky note tabs sticking out of my journal of times I felt the, felt the spirit. And I noticed that as I kept track of them, I started getting more of them and I started looking for those opportunities. And then during the darkness, during the times that I would forget, I could go back and look at those and read it and and remember that he was there before and he will be there again. So that's something that's helped me a lot through my faith. Another thing is to focus on who I want to be. Think about myself in the future. During my time of faith crisis, I thought, "Who who do I want to be for me and for my children? And at the times where I said, I, I don't know for certain about this church. I also knew the joy that I got when I studied with my family, studied scriptures. It was more of a, I'm not willing to give that up yet until I know for sure. And so I just kept trying. I kept acting for who I wanted to be. I really wanted the church to be true. I really wanted that to be true for my children. And I wanted to be able to be there for them. And then eventually I came around to it. My brain through healing, through going through therapy and healing and realizing why I couldn't feel things. It wasn't a block of the spirit. It was me. It was just pain to be able to share with my husband, to share with someone safe. It is hard to find someone that, you know, when you say, Hey, I'm having a question about this in the church, that someone doesn't panic. But if you can find that person, it's the thing that's been hard is I have a lot of doubts of myself, um, of my worthiness, of my of how, how much I matter. But my husband never gave up on me. And so being able to talk with someone that was safe and then also going to therapy, getting professional help, I recommend that. I can't deny that God exists, that he sent his son, not because we are so flawed, but so that we can learn to to rely on a savior and that he knows me personally, even though most of the time I feel like I forget and I can't feel it. And I know that, that he knows all of us and that there are those that are listening that need to feel that, that he knows them and that there's hope. I love that so much. I think that so many people in the church, it's like, there's a lot of things that we need to do. I think about this a lot. There's ministering and there's come follow me and there's reading scriptures and there's going to church on Sunday and then there's fast Sunday. And then there's, you know, there's just, there's so many things. And like that in combination with, you know, school and work and kids and all the things. And when we're putting it in like a checklist where it's like, okay, if I do this, 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 and this, I'm, I'm good. But I realized that it is really challenging to view this as a checklist 
and to, you know, decide if I'm doing a good job or not based on if I'm completing this checklist, because I am the first to admit I am the worst ministering sister on planet earth. (laughs) I feel so bad for everybody that I'm assigned to because I just, I'm bad. And I'm not that great at doing come follow me all the time. Like I'm just not. And I can let that make me feel really guilty that I don't do those things. But I honestly, I am trying. I go to Desert Book and I get the come follow me additional things to make it fun for my family. And I'm I have the best intentions and you know, we're gonna do it and And I think finally, I kind of let this expectation of myself go that like, hey, if I'm not doing every single one of these things on this checklist, then I am like, this is not who I should be. And I let that go. And I realized that there is actually so much beauty in just accepting ourselves for where we're at in, you know, in the gospel today, even though I am a crappy ministering sister. I spend a lot of time working on this podcast. And I think that, I think that counts for something. And even though like, I, I forget to do come follow me or just like wrangling the family up and just like making that happen as a challenge for me. But there are things that bring me so much joy. And I don't think that, you know, if I'm forgetting things in some areas, that doesn't take away from the beauty of the gospel in my life. Like I can still, I can still feel the joy of the gospel and I I'm still worthy of the savior's atonement. And, and I belong, even if I'm not a hundred percent at a hundred percent of the things all the time. And what I hear you saying as you know, you're kind of concluding your story here is that you of course, we're all still growing. We're all still learning. Our story is never finished. I love how you said that. And, but you are starting to be more open and at peace to where you are just for who you are without all these expectations of perfection. And you're, you're finding the beauty in who you are today. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I have a perfect version of myself and this is what I believe that will earn me salvation. And whether or not that's actually true, I don't actually know, but this is the version of Tanya that I feel like is going to be able to earn salvation. It's for, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong that no matter what, even if I was that perfect version, Tanya by herself will never be able to earn salvation ever because I'm missing Christ It's not that I had a fundamental misunderstanding of the atonement, because I don't. I have an incredible faith of the atonement. I have studied scriptures from a scrupulous perspective. When I would would teach Sunday school, I would spend 12, 20 hours preparing. So I know the scriptures. I know what the atonement is, but I couldn't feel it for me. And um, we had a sister that spoke on Sunday, and she said that something that I loved the atonement wasn't the backup plan that it wasn't like, Oh no, we've sent our children to earth and they made a mistake. What are we going to do? It was part of the plan from the beginning. Heavenly father knew that we would come here and that there would be no hope with all of the best intentions, even the best ministering sister. And that follows all of the come follow me. And that does even that one 
will fall short in some way of receiving perfection and that we have to have Christ. That's what has helped me. And I would encourage people to rely on that. We live in an, in an interesting uh, gospel where we don't believe in just grace or just works. We believe in a combination of both. We can't just rely on, oh, I'll be saved. It'll be fine. Or that we have to do everything perfectly. There is both. And that Christ can help us find that medium. And that he is the way. He is the plan from the beginning. And as we come to him, that we can find the joy. I have found that as I let my scrupulosity go and learn more about Christ, that change is not so burdensome anymore. It's a gift. It's beautiful. It is, I get to be better today than I was yesterday, rather than, oh no, I'm not, I'm not as good as I should be. I'm not as good as where I thought I should have been. All of that was my brain lying to me. However it feels, I would encourage to go to the basics, find where your faith is, and rely on those and build on those. Put those beautiful pieces of your testimony on display and live off of those and to lean on Christ. I love that so much. This is such a, just a beautiful story of learning to love yourself for where you're at, learning to accept where you're at in your journey. And I just, I think it's so important. I think there's so many people who struggle with this. And I know that because, you know, the last couple episodes that we've done surrounding this topic, a lot of people have reached out and said, you know, how this resonated with them so much. And so I'm so happy that we've had you on to hear your story and share how you've been able to, how you've been able to accept this part of yourself and move forward. So as we're kind of wrapping up here, what advice would you have for somebody? I know you've given a lot of really good advice, but somebody that's really in the depths of this, like they are, you know, you mentioned a couple of times about the struggles you had in your own head. And what advice would you have for somebody that is just really stuck in the depths of this right now? I think the biggest piece of advice is to reach out. I've heard that our, our church is not supposed to be a place for perfection, but it's a hospital, a place for sinners. And we have the misconception that we're supposed to go to church, but we have to be worthy to go to church and we have to be worthy to receive the blessings and we have to, but we're actually um, encouraged to lift the hands that hang down and to, to be there for each other. And, and as we do that, uh, that's one reason why I love this podcast is that people, everyday people get to share their vulnerability and say, I chose Christ. And this is how it blessed me to choose Christ. And as we do that, as we share and open our experiences, we'll find that we're not alone. It's terrifying. I couldn't imagine sharing because I thought I had to do it myself. I thought everybody, you know, because you go to church and you hear people feel inadequate. And I'm like, oh, yeah, see, if you feel that way, too. I couldn't fathom that they that what I felt was worse or deeper or that, that I needed to deal with it differently. I would encourage you to not carry it alone. Obviously, lean on the Lord but find someone that you can trust. If it's a spouse, if it's a family member, if it's somebody that's not a member of the church, but to find someone that, that can love you through your imperfection, because there are so many of us out there. That's all of us. We're all imperfect. All of us, every single one of us. 
being able to share that burden is I think the biggest help because every day I come up with, uh Oh, I'm feeling it. And I'm able to talk to my husband about it and to, to kind of, I'm learning through therapy, how to get through things that it's okay that you're not alone. I think that's one of the biggest things. I think that one of the things that I've also learned from doing the podcast is that everybody has a story and everybody has something. And when you share that story, you are truly able to connect with another human being on another level. And that is what this life is about is we are all going through hard things, you know, whether it's you personally going through a faith crisis or you being the family member of somebody going through a faith crisis, that is just as hard. I think that all of these experiences, you know, if we're able to share and be vulnerable and open up about it, you know, it, it just brings us closer to people. And it's just interesting to see how everybody has their own story. You know, everyone's going through something. I think we live in a unique age that can be a big blessing where we can connect with people throughout the world. Like on a podcast, you can hear someone from anywhere and that's, that's a big blessing, but also with social media, everyone's best is presented and you are comparing what you did that day to somebody that's on their vacation. And you're not, you're never going to measure up to everybody's best. And that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how God will judge us. And so if, you know, if someone were to look at my life, if anybody that's known me for the last five years would say, I had no idea because I, I'm very good at hiding it because I didn't, I, I thought I had to. And I think a lot of us have that where we just hold on to it and think I have to do this on my own. And I don't think that's how it's meant to be. I think that's why the second greatest commandment is to, to go out and serve. But I think that we have to remember part of that commandment is to, to love others as we love ourselves. And so first we have to be able to love ourselves in order to serve and love others. I feel like Satan has taken something beautiful of loving others and and twisted it just enough to take out the yourself. If you don't love yourself, then just go and serve others, but then you get tired and exhausted. And so if we can focus on loving ourselves and finding people that can help us do that, I think that's really important. I love that. That is so beautiful. Well, any, any final words before we wrap up? You can do it. However you find your way to Christ, he is worth it. And it's beautiful and peaceful. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and thank you for sharing your story. I know that it's not easy to get vulnerable and know that thousands and thousands of people are going to hear this, but I know that it's going to help so many people. So thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the podcast. Thank you. Hey guys, first off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help. So thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media. So I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.